welcome to everyone today, and especially if you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you today. We are thrilled to have you in service with us today. Thank you for being here. We pray, hope, and pray that you are touched by the power and the presence of the Lord this morning. Those of you that may be watching us online somewhere else, we welcome you as a part of this service this morning, those that are a part of us and out, especially those of you that are out for sickness, we're praying for you, we miss you. If you're a guest today and, and you're, you're just, you want to know more about Jesus, you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I would encourage you, we've got an area back to my left, you can stop by afterwards, there's somebody back there that help direct you, point you and some materials and some resources to be able to do that because that's God's desire is for you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him. And knowledge doesn't just mean head knowledge, it means experiential knowledge. Amen. Praise God. You turn to 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, I will begin reading with verse number 17. 1 Kings 18, verse 17. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves. A wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm found I was blind But now Oh, it's amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace. That taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve. Oh, how precious did that grace 
appear the hour I first believe. Oh, it's amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. today, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's try this again. 1 Kings 18 and 17. 
came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? The context here, if you're not familiar with this passage, they are coming to the end of three years of a drought. Three years of a drought that started when Elijah prophesied that it was happening, that it was there was going to be a drought. And so the king says, Are you the one that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house. It's Oh boy, I'm going to get distracted here. But it's a sad thing when we blame everybody else for what's our problem. We're living in a world that everything is everybody else's fault. We're, everybody's a victim of what everybody else has done. And the man of God said back to him, don't blame this on me. This is because of you. you because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Anybody know what the sweetest mountain in the Bible was? Verse 21. Wah, wah, wah. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Verse 21 in the Living Bible says it this way, Elijah talked to them, How long are you going to, to waver between two opinions? He asked the people. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, then follow Him. And then the Message Bible says it like this, verse 21. Elijah challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow Him. If it's Baal, follow Him. But make up your minds. I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this question. How long halt you between two opinions? God, thank you so much for your presence and your power that we have felt in this place that we have experienced here this morning. I know, God, I believe with all of my heart you've already touched hearts and lives, God. I believe we may not know about them yet. We may not see what happened yet, but I believe you've done miracles in this service this morning. Because you are a miracle-working God. And I believe this is a place where miracles happen. Not that there's anything special about the physical place, but it's special about us joining together in your name in one mind and one accord. And when your people gather together in your name, you promised you would be in the midst of them. And God, when you're in the midst of us, you're going to do some great things. So I thank you for that this morning. And I pray, God, that you would continue ministering in this service and that you would do it now through your word, that your spirit would speak to hearts and lives in this place today. God, I pray again this morning. I don't want to just preach a sermon. I don't just want to deliver a speech this morning. But I want to be a messenger that would say today what you would desire me to say, Lord. I trust you today. I depend upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You don't 
not familiar with this story, what takes place immediately after this is they gather together on top of Mount Carmel and they build an altar out of stones and they put a sacrifice on that altar and the prophets of Baal and other false prophets gathered together and prayed. They prayed for hours and called on their God and it's kind of funny if you read some of the other translations besides the King James Version, you find Elijah kind of doing some serious trash talking. In fact, one translation basically says it this way, Where, where's your God? Has he gone to the bathroom? And so they pray and nothing happens. Because even though Elijah says, if God's, if the Lord is God, follow him, or if Baal is God, then follow him. Even though that's what Elijah said, Elijah knew that there's only one God. And so after they spent hours praying, it was Elijah's turn, and he stood there, and, 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 and then the additional thing he did, and you got to understand they're in the midst of a drought, water is scarce and precious, and he orders... I think it was 12 barrels, if I'm not mistaken, 12 barrels of water. And he tells them to come pour it on the sacrifice. So first of all, he's taking 12 barrels of water that are very precious and scarce, and he's just pouring them out on the ground. But he's also pouring it on the sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever tried to burn something that was wet, but it doesn't work real well. 12 barrels meant whatever was laid on that altar was pretty wet by that point. And then he stands there, and and the Bible doesn't really give us all the specific details of exactly how it happened, but if you will just just permit me and hear me clearly that this is just the way I imagine it. I'm not saying this is fact, but it's just when I read these verses and many times throughout my ministry, my life, as I've heard and read this passage, the way I imagine it is Elijah just stands up in front of everyone, and I believe that he very calmly just called on the God, the God of heaven and earth and prayed that fire would come down from heaven. I don't think he did like the prophets of Baal and screamed and hollered and cried. I I think it was just a simple thing. And all of a sudden, fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, consumes the altar, licks up all the water around the altar. So that, that's kind of the, the, just the quick big picture here of what's going on. But, but back to the verses that we have read, Elijah poses the, the question to them, how long are you going to go back and forth between two opinions? When are you going to make up your minds? And I, I like the way the message Bible says it. How, how long are you going to sit on the fence? I don't know about you, but the majority of fences that I've ever seen and a few that I've tried to sit on, it's not a very comfortable place. They're usually very narrow. If it's a chain link fence, there's probably some metal poking up. and It's not the most comfortable place. And, and the other problem with sitting on the fence is you really have to give the majority of your focus to maintaining your balance on the fence. So what happens is you don't really get the best of either world. 
There's a whole lot of people today and actually a lot of people that profess to be Christians that are trying to just live on the fence because they're not so sure if they want to truly let go of the world and embrace Jesus Christ and His Word and His ways. And so it's not that they don't, in fact, they believe. They would tell you they believe God is real and they would tell you they believe the Word of God is true, but they're not quite sure. Forgive me, I guess. Maybe don't forgive me because I, in fact, I'm saying is means I don't really care about your forgiveness with this point. But let's just keep going, hanging out in the bar together. And I, I, I promise you, those were the words. We go, hey, my, my pastor comes and he, he, he drinks beer with us and tells lies and all. Is there anybody in that group that doesn't know the fact that the Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire? That's the world we're in. That's, that's, that's the, we're, we're halting between two opinions. And I've come to ask some people here this morning, how long are you going to be torn? How long are you going to waver? How long are you going to ride on the fence between two opinions? This, this, I don't mean this at all disrespectfully, it just, just kind of the way it just pops and popping into mind, but, This God thing is really amazing. There's just nothing like it. You realize there are, there, there, basically everything in your world, my world, everything that I interact with, there is, there is basically nothing in my world, job, family, marriage, whatever. Keep going down the list. There's nothing that you have control over it. I, I like to, I like to play sports. I know not the way you're supposed to use this word, but it's kind of how I feel. I love sports. I, I especially playing them. I'd rather play them than watch them, but enjoy watching them as well. I I don't know if it's this getting older thing or what it is, but. I am an extremely I, I, I'm an extremely competitive person. I, I mean, if, if this idea of it, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose; it's how you play the game. That that's for the people that aren't really athletes. They're, they're not very skilled. They're not very talented. And I know all the little kids are downstairs. So if you if you have a different philosophy for your house, keep your philosophy. For a bunch of us, it's really not how you play the game. I'm not talking about cheating. I mean, as far as how well you do or don't do, make mistakes. It's, it's whether you win or lose. I, I, I got in trouble years ago. I was we had a Christian school for years, and I was the principal for a while. And and uh, there was a couple of times we did. We had a girls volleyball team, and there was a couple of times we did the staff versus the girls volleyball team. I know in 2023, this is, you're not supposed to say what I'm about to say. I know that. I think I'm, I, I, I think, I don't know if it's age and just not caring. I'm not to the point what I was saying about getting older. This is actually parentheses to that. I, I, I may offend some of you. I guess I'm sorry if I do, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you. It's tough getting beat by 
a lady. I'm just going to tell you. I, it happened Thursday morning. This, this guy and I, we, we got paired up, and there's two other ladies put a whipping on us. And I, so, you know, we, we got this game. It's supposed to be just this fun evening staff versus the kids. And so I don't remember who was coaching the staff, but the way that you just, all the staff were just rotating through. And we were losing. I, I, I kind of got in the coach's ear and I'm like, hey, how about we kind of quit this rotation thing for a little while? Let's put the best players on the court and let's win this thing. And, and they did that for a little, but then a bunch of the other staff members that were there just to play, participate, started getting mad. So we went back to the other way. So I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm very competitive by nature. But there's this weird thing, and just the, just the last couple of months, I like to, I like to watch college football out of any sport to watch, just to watch. I enjoy watching college football, and then I, I, NFL's an okay second to that. And I found myself the last couple of months struggling some watching these games because I'm feeling sorry for the losers. And, and, and realizing more and more, man, when, when that's your life, and that's what you're investing yourself in. It's kind of sad when you lose. And somebody's going to lose. Except for the stupid times when they let games end in a tie. What kind of craziness is that? But I, I looked this up. I looked this up. Of all the players... Current. You see, I mean, if you're if, if you're playing competitive sports, it's it's pretty much all about whatever level you're in, whatever league you're in. It's all about we want to win the championship. We we had a again Christian school. It's actually where I graduated from. We had a basketball team, and uh, we 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 didn't compete against uh, public high schools, and they were on, they were another level than we were. But we we were in a Christian school league, and and that was we wanted we wanted to win. And, and it really doesn't matter how well the whole season went. It doesn't matter what your record was. A couple of years ago, the Patriots, New England Patriots, won all of their season, regular season games. Woohoo! They didn't win the Super Bowl. Who cares? The only reason you would care that they won all the regular season games is if they won the... Can, can, can I get an amen from one or two people? I realize all the participation... Pro trophy people may not agree with me, but and and so it's all about it. And and you realize that I mean, in college there are multi, there there's several different brackets of colleges. It's not just all the big name schools, and 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 so only one team is going to win. Of all the players currently in the NFL, currently in the NFL. How many of them will ever play in a Super Bowl? 106 players per year are dressed for the Super Bowl. Out of 1,696 players on 32 53-man rosters. So each player 
has about a 3% chance of just walking on to the field in uniform. That's not winning. That's just simply walking on. There are 12 teams. There are currently 12 teams in the NFL. If you want me to hurry up and get back to the Bible, then we can go talk about wrestling because Paul talked about wrestling. He didn't have the NFL. He would have used the NFL. So... (laughs) Twelve teams have never won a Super Bowl. I'm thankful today to be able to say that the Dallas Cowboys are not one of those teams. Four teams, four teams have never played, never played in a Super Bowl. Now, a couple of those are expansion teams that are, that are, they haven't been around forever. But one of those teams is the Detroit Lions, which is the fifth oldest team in the NFL. Now, if you do a little history research, you'll find out that pre-Super Bowl and all that, like I think it's like back in the 30s, they won a couple of championships, but that was before the Super Bowl era. They have never been to the Super Bowl. Numerous Numerous NFL Hall of Fame football players that are considered possibly in some positions the or one of the greatest of all times never played or some may have finally played but never won. But many that never even played in the Super Bowl. I, I, I'm sorry if this offends you, but I, I, was, I was watching the, uh, the Jaguars-Chiefs game yesterday. And 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 the, the 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 Jaguars were kind of making a late game run, but but the problem is one guy, one guy can mess it up for the whole team. You may be the greatest player that's ever been at your position, but there's no guarantee you're going to win because everybody else may mess up. According to data from the website five thirty eight. Changing sports for a moment. The odds of a player making it to the major leagues are point, point, one seven percent. To put that in perspective, the odds of being struck by lightning in any given year are about point one nine percent. You have a higher likelihood of getting struck by lightning than of making it to the major leagues. All of that to kind of say, in life, it's not ultimately your choice. There's some guys that are at the low low end of the list of, of, of skill at their position that walk around with Super Bowl rings. There's guys that weren't even on the field in the game. They got a ring. And you got, you got NFL, uh, 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 Hall of Fame players that never got a ring. I, I got, I got my, I got the, the presets on my radio are, um, 951, 919, and 107.3. And I have all three of those because there's some groups I don't like. There's some Christian groups. I don't like the sound of them. So. I can just flip back and forth real quick. And, and, and the, 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 a couple of days ago, and then again last night, there, there's, I'll, I'll say this very 
broadly on one of those three. By the way, if you don't know, those are all Christian music stations. <laughs> one of those three, the, the, the hosts, and I think they're a husband and wife, the other night, and they were continuing it last night, they were having this discussion because the, the husband is all about this idea of we, we won. And the wife was saying to him, and they were putting it out there for people to discuss, she didn't understand the concept of we. That as a fan, you say we won. And he was adamant. That we, 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 we. And then they, they, they had this guy call in. And he was on the we side. And he was given his argument to try to help the husband. And she's still like, and, and I got to tell you, I was 100% on her side. This thing for the fans to say, we. You didn't get hit by a 350-pound player running at full speed. You're sitting there on your couch with your feet propped up and you're drinking your hand and the temperature just right. You're not out there in freezing cold weather and short sleeve And you're going to say, we want, we scored. You didn't do nothing. They... Y'all hang in there. Some of y'all are like, what in the world? Because what's, what's happening is this, this right is winding up. I'm getting ready to get you in a moment. All of those things, year after year, guys play and never, and, and thousands. I think there's probably, if there's 1,900 players in, in the NFL alone, there's thousands of college football players that will never Never be a national champion. There are colleges that will never. But the thing that matters the most, the most important thing in your life, you, and in fact you alone, have the ability to decide the outcome. The word of the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse number 26, The Lord says to the children of Israel, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. A curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. A couple of chapters later in the same book, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, the Lord says some very similar things again. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if you heart, if you turn, if you, if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you this day, and you shall surely perish. And and you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither you pass over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day and against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose 
choose. You choose. You decide life that you may live and that your seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey His voice and that thou mayest cleave unto Him for He is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob to give to them. Can I tell every single person in this place today you've been given two options. You can choose life or you can choose death. You can choose blessing or you can choose cursings. But you must decide. And the good news is, is that if you make up your mind to choose life, to choose blessing, to follow His commandments, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what the rest of your team does. When you decide that's what I want, then that's what you're going to get. It's not about anybody else. It's about you deciding. Your decision. Here's the choice. Here's the option. If you make it to heaven for eternity, or if you end up in hell for eternity. And yes, I believe there's a heaven, and I believe there's a hell. How could a good God, how could a loving God send people to hell? Look at all the things a loving God did to provide ways for you not to go to hell. It's, it's your decision. Do you know how many people are currently in hell today that are there blaming everybody else? The way somebody treated them, the way their parents treated them, the way their family treated them, the way their spouse treated them, the way the church treated them. I don't know about you, but I haven't been treated the nicest by every employee at every store I've gone to. And I keep going back. We're not here perfect people. The old bumper sticker says it well. Christians aren't perfect. Just forgiven. I'm not saying that to excuse any wrong behaviors. That's not my point. But my point is we're still striving to become everything he wants us to be. And in the meantime, we're not there. So you know what? Yeah, you're going to get hurt at church. If you haven't gotten hurt yet, by somebody at church, whether it's me or somebody else, just come, keep coming a little bit longer. I'm not trying to be frivolous. I'm not trying to be uncare. I'm just, it's, it's a given. It's going to happen. But I can absolutely guarantee you that when Noah and his wife and his three sons and three daughters-in-law were on that ark for a hundred and something days, I promise you there was some fussing and fighting and arguing. I promise you there was some cross words between mom and mother-in-law. Excuse me, mom and mother-in-law. Yeah, she was schizophrenic, so she... (laughs) Sorry. Between daughters-in-law and mother-in-law. There we go. I promise you. There's a good chance that Noah and his sons had some disagreements on that ark. Another, like I've already said, just my imagination, the way I think it kind of happened, I just can imagine them going to bed at night and, 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 and Noah's son's wives are all in his ear. You will not believe what your sister-in-law did to me today. 
You won't believe what your mother said to me today. You won't believe all the extra work I had to do today because Shem's wife wouldn't do her job. I promise, I can guarantee you that kind of junk went on because there was eight human beings on that ark. I don't, let's put eight of you in one room for 24 hours. Hundreds, maybe thousands of animals. No modern ventilation. No generator with air and ventilating all that smell. It was a stinky, nasty place to be. But show me one of those eight that said, you know what, I'm tired of this place. I'm getting off this ark. Because no matter what it may have been like inside the ark sometimes, the only place of salvation was in the ark. You know why the enemy is looking for every single opportunity to get you upset and offended with a brother or a sister or with the pastor? Because he knows as long as you'll stay in the ark, the church of the living God, you're going to be saved. But if I can get you mad and get you off the ark... If you're a guest today and you at all mistake what I'm saying for excusing any wrong or bad actions on the part of Christians or this church, come back for several weeks because I promise you, at some point you'll find out that's not the case at all. But it's the reality. You choose. There's not going to be one single person that ends up in hell lost for eternity that is there because it's somebody else's fault. Because God says, I'm, cho- I'm setting before you. How long are you going to go back and forth, back and forth between two opinions? Am I, am I going to trust and believe and surrender to God? Or would I rather live my life my way doing my own thing? But nobody else can make that decision for you. But again, the amazing thing is that if you make the decision and make the right decision, nobody else can take that away from you. Nobody else. It doesn't matter if everybody else around you drops the ball. It doesn't matter if somebody else fumbles. It doesn't matter if somebody else throws an interception. I made up my mind. He set before me life and death, and I'm choosing to pursue the path of life. Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. How many of you drove... This morning, how many of you drove this morning? Jonathan, what make did you drive in? Honda. What'd you drive in, Seth? What? What'd you drive in, Andrew? GMC. Got some Ford? Anybody driving a Ford? Yeah? Anybody driving a Hyundai? Anybody drive up in a Rolls today? I didn't think so. (laughs) 
I know we, there's some of us, some people aren't, but there's some of you in this room that are very opinionated about the vehicle, the make especially of the vehicle you drive. I ain't driving no foreign stuff. I ain't driving no American-made stuff. I, I'm not driving no fix-or-repair daily Ford. The bottom line is they're all cars. They're all vehicles. They're all. He didn't say, can you, can you put that verse back up there, please, Psalms? He, he, he didn't say that you would show me A. He didn't say you would show me a path of life. If I want to go out the back doors of this sanctuary, there are multiple paths that I could take to get out the back door. Multiple aisles and rows that I could wander all over the place and eventually get out the back door. And I'm out the back door. He didn't say, you will show me a path of life. He said, you will show me the. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I I am sorry to tell you from my human perspective today, I am sorry to tell you not all roads lead to heaven. There is a way, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This book is the only road map to be able to get there. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Problem is, if you're constantly living caught between two worlds, you never really get the full benefit of either. I think part of what Elijah was saying that day was he knew there was only one God. He knew that Baal was not God. But if you think Baal's God, then then at least go ahead and make up your mind. Don't, Don't be back and forth. Because the only way to fully get the benefits of the one true living God is you've got to, you've got to be all in with Him. Joshua says in Joshua chapter 24, it, this, this, is, this is the ending of his life. It's actually basically his final speech to the children of Israel. And, and, and the verses before this, he has been rehearsing some of the things that God did, reminding them, for most of them, reminding them what God did for their parents because they all are living after all of the death of all of those people that saw some things firsthand. And so in, in the course of that, he says to them now therefore verse 14 now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and served ye the Lord you know what he, he's talking to people like some of you are here this morning there there's some young people and even now young adults here that 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 your parents got saved and 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 you've been born and raised in church and 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 you know you Man, my parents got to do things I don't get to do. My parents got to 
and be involved in lifestyles that I'm not supposed to be involved. That, that's essentially what Joshua was addressing here. Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve the God which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt? And, 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 and what he's saying is, are you going to serve the, the Lord? Are you going to serve the, the God that your father served before they got saved? And if it seem evil, this is, this is a, this is a statement that I have trouble wrapping my brain around. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, how could it ever be or seem evil to serve the Lord? Choose you this day. Choose who you will serve. You decide who you will serve. Nobody else deciding for you. You decide. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave them out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for He is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then He will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that He hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, no, but but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you, the Lord, to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. But unfortunately, if you read on in the history of the children of Israel, they may have all said the right thing that day, but they went on to choose the other gods. But what you will find, and actually Elijah says it, he says it uh, in I think the next chapter from where we read this morning, as he's now running for his life out of fear of Jezebel, he tells the Lord, Lord, I, I am the only one. There's nobody else in the world left like me who believes you and serves you and obeys you. God said, sorry Elijah, I got 7,000 others. Because it doesn't matter. I don't I know I know some of you will not agree with I I know there's clergy that won't agree with this but that's okay because I to the best of my ability what I'm about to say is based on what I believe the Bible teaches me to say I don't care who's in the white house I don't care what party rules I don't care what party's in office I don't care what the government does I don't care what the government passes I don't care what legislation they came they come up with as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord and I've got a God who is bigger and greater than anything that's going on around me because that same famine that same drought that Elijah was in while others were suffering God used some ravens 
to send food to Elijah day after day. I, I, I believe if with all of my heart, if you walk into Safeway tomorrow and there's nothing left on the shelf, God can use a squirrel in your neighborhood to bring some groceries to your front door. If he did it for the children of Israel, if he did it for Elijah, he can do it for us. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Psalmist said it this way, I once was young, but now I'm old. I like to say it this way, I once was young, but now I'm older. And I've never, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. No, you all may not be driving up in Rolls Royce and Lamborghini and Ferrari today, but I know something today. There's not one of us that's been forsaken. There's not one of us that's been neglected. It may not be all the natural things we want the way we want it, but I've got a God that has supplied all of my needs. I've got a God that's been closer than a brother. I've got a God whose name is a strong tower that the righteous run in and they are saved. It's simply a choice that you have to make. I've set before you I, I read those verses in Deuteronomy and, and, and I read where he says, I've set before you life and death. Anybody ever uh, watched uh, Let's Make a Deal? Anybody ever seen that? Yeah. You get to the very end of the show, right? And, and whoever earned made the most money earlier, they get to now play if they want. They can risk what they got and... Play for they can just decide I'm gonna take what I got and be safe. And so they got three doors. And behind one of those doors is the granddaddy of all prizes that day. Trips, cars, I mean it's twenty, thirty thousand dollars behind that door. The problem is you don't know. You have no idea what's behind door one, door two, door three. What's it called? A, a, a walk, isn't it? What? Gonk. Spell it. Zonk. Zonk. There we go. They'll have some of the craziest stuff behind the doors that aren't the prize. So you're, you're risking. It's a gamble. Do I want to give up what I have earned and can take home to take the chance? Usually, you know, they got some superstitious reason for the door they're going to pick. Sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. He didn't say to them, I'm setting before you two doors. One has life. Blessings, the other has death, cursings. Here it is, door number one, door number two. Behind one of those doors is life. Behind the other door is death. It's not what he did. He said, this door 
has life. This door has death. This door has blessings. This door has cursings. I don't understand how there was a choice. Spinach? Monday. the choice there's no choice how is there a choice when you're saying life or death the the reason there was a choice is because in their minds like yeah I don't know not sure I really want to believe everything you say problem is he's God and whatever he says is true whatever he determines is the way it's going to be the problem is God says Jesus said it this way when he was on this earth. He says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Boy, what a sales pitch. Hey, sign, what? But, then, but, but he said it this way. The thief cometh not but to steal kill and destroy that's why the thief comes but I've come that you might have life so I've come and I've told you up front if you're going to follow me you're going to have to deny yourself you're going to have to surrender to my will to my word but there's life and life more abundantly and the enemy comes along and says, boy, if you'll, just, if you'll follow me, I'll give you this, I'll do that, I'll provide all this great stuff. And, and it looks all great, but the problem is, it ends in one place. Can I, some of you be willing to help me out here for a moment. How, how many of you here, you, you, God delivered you from an addiction, drug addiction, alcohol, some other kind? How many of you here? How many of you? Planned your addiction. Nobody ever sits down and says, you know, I think I want to become addicted to... I'm not trying to be silly or stupid. You don't do that. Nobody ever took their first drink of alcohol saying, you know, I think I'd like to become an alcoholic. In fact, most people started off with the idea, you know, I'm just a little bit here, a little bit there, I can control this. And they end up where? Bondage. Spiritual death, if not natural death. Because the thief comes. No matter what the sales pitch is, no matter what the promises are, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come. I've set before you life. I've set before you blessings. I'm setting before you an open door for you to choose. The old song says, take this whole world, just give me Jesus. Though none go with me, still I'm going to follow because I'm trusting in this book that says, if this is the path of life and I will walk in it, then I'm going to experience life. 
James says this in James chapter 1 verse number 6. Kind of sounds a little bit like what Elijah said that day. James 1 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. The Amplified says it this way, For being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, decides. He didn't just say a double-minded man is unstable in his religion. He did not just say a double-minded man is unstable in his Christianity. He said a double-minded man is unstable in all, all his ways. Well, the flip side of that must be true. A single-minded, a single-focused man must then be stable in all his ways. There's, there's things that according to the Word of God that are coming to this world that what we've seen so far is just a scratch of the surface. There's some really great things that according to the Word of God are coming, but, but there's also some other bad things. The only way to be, unst- the only way to be stable with no, no matter what's going on around you, is to be a single-minded person that says, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what anybody else does or does not do. I don't care what anybody says or doesn't say. I don't care how anybody treats me, good or bad. I've made up my mind. There is a path. There is a door. And I've chosen to walk through that door. I don't always get it right. In fact, some days I mess it up. But when I fall, I've got a God that is willing. If I will just confess my sin, He is faithful to forgive me. And I can get back up and keep walking. I'm not preaching to you perfection today. I'm not preaching to you today. you got to get it all right. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. The prophet Micah said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, because when I fall, I shall arise. Just because I've chosen to walk through the door of life doesn't mean there won't be adversity and there won't be ups and downs. But what it means is if I'll just stay on this path, how many have ever flown commercially before? As a passenger, some of you may have flown the airplane. But I mean, have, have I got a question. When you went, when you went to fly, did you just go? You know, you go to the airport and you go through security, and you're just like, "Yeah, let me see. I'm gonna walk around for a little while. I think I'll get on this plane." I've, 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 I've flown a good number of times in my life, and and even up to the last several minutes before they close the door. This flight is going to such and such. This flight is going to... It's really not a normal thing to end up on one plane with your family going to 
Florida and you going to New York. It doesn't happen. Makes for a great Christmas movie, but it doesn't happen. You show your ticket. You got your destination. You know, when I get on this plane, I'm expecting to arrive at a certain airport. You don't sit there the whole time wondering, I I wonder if we're going to end up where I'm wanting to go. The only way you're not going to end up at the destination you got on the plane for is if there's some kind of problem with the plane and it's got to be diverted. Oh, I got good news for you today. This is a plane you can get on that's never been diverted. This is a plane that's never had and will never have to make an emergency landing. This is a plane that's never going to have a terrorist attack. This is a plane that's never going to get shot down because this plane has got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as the pilot of it. Anybody ever seen that bumper sticker? God is my co-pilot. That's got to be one of the dumbest bumper stickers in the world. God is not only not my co-pilot, I'm not his co-pilot. When I get on God's plane, I want to go get as far away as the cockpit as I can because I want him as the pilot to navigate this aircraft because I know he's got it all in control and I can trust in him I preach to some people today you come here regularly just because you show up to service every time there's church or just because you come faithfully does not mean you're still not halting between two opinions Do do I really want to go all in on this God thing and let go of all of that? Or or do I want to continue to try to somehow hang on to both worlds? It's not a fun place to live. It's a miserable place. Just because you come to church, just because you profess to be a Christian doesn't mean you've made up your mind. There were people that were following Jesus at one point that were classified as disciples not the 12 disciples but they were classified as disciples and one day because of the stuff he said a bunch of them started leaving and then he turns to the 12 disciples and he says are you going to go also and Peter pipes up and says where else are we going to go you're a guest today my parents started this church in 1970 came to this town in 1970 just the two of them started this church There's thousands, literally, no exaggeration, thousands of people that have passed through these doors in 50 plus years. I've been pastoring now for 15 years. There's probably thousands still of that that have passed through these doors. I'm still here. Pardon the grammar, but I ain't going nowhere. Because I believe there's been set before me life and death. I don't care what anybody else does. Nobody can lose this for me. Nobody can steal this for me. Nobody can take this away. If I've made up my mind, I'm walking with Jesus. Let everybody else do whatever they want to do. I hope my wife will keep walking with me. I hope my kids will keep walking. I hope my parents will keep walking. But there is a door that's been set before me that I have chosen. And that's the path I'm going to walk. I want you to stand if you would, please. You know, here's the thing. 
What a bummer it would be if God would have said to the children of Israel and the application to us, choose Baal or choose me. I'm a tyrant. I'm a dictator. I rule with an iron fist. But I'm God, so you better choose me. And he could have. But he didn't. Even though he's really the only choice out of the two. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the shepherd. He's the provider. He's the healer. He's the protector. He's the savior. He's the way maker. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the he's the alpha, he's the omega. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful Counselor. He's the great I Am. And as Solomon says, He's he's just all together lovely. It's just all together lovely. So it's not great. I don't have a choice but to choose Him. No. It's Wow, he's really the only way, but I get, I get to choose him. I get to follow him. I get to let him be the Lord of my life, my heavenly father. That's what I, that's the opportunity and the privilege. Some of you are in jobs right now that within the next couple of years, you won't be with that company anymore. It will have dissolved. It will have filed bankruptcy. You got no guarantee. No guarantee. But one thing, you've got a guarantee if you don't halt between two opinions. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't mean serve the Lord on Sunday morning from from 10 to 12 and then the rest of the week. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is a path that I want to walk in because that path has joy and pleasures. I want you to do this for me. If you would, close your head head and bow your eyes. Don't close your head, please. Especially don't close your heart. <laughs> Bow your head and close your eyes. And, and, and just really quickly, if you're here today, I, in fact, in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an invitation to anybody that will just to make a recommitment today. Some of you, it'll be a recommitment. Some of you here today, if, if you'll be responsive to the Spirit of the Lord, it'll, it'll be the first time you've really made the commitment. But in just a moment, whether you've made it before or never made it, I'm going to give you an invitation just to come and make that commitment again or for the first time today. But, but, but if you've never made that commitment, let me, just, let me just tell you a little bit about what you need to do. This is not my words. It's the words of Scripture. This is, this is not just about this church because we're apostolic. It's what the Bible says very plainly. That you, if you're going to walk this path of life, you've got to be born again. The way to get on this path is you must be born again. 
You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And Acts chapter 2 verse 38 gives us a very practical application of that. When Peter says that you're to repent, you're to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That, that's, that's how, until you've done that, you're not even really on the path. I'm not saying God's not working and God's not doing stuff. I'm not saying you don't have a growing relationship with God. But Jesus said, except a man be born again, he can't see, he can't enter the kingdom. And if you've never done that today, again, that's not something, well, you got to do. That's something that you get to do because, especially that part, man, when you're baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of your sins, everything you've ever done wrong, every sin you've ever committed is washed away and you are made an absolutely brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Nothing like it in the whole world. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Again, I, I'm asking you, not just, not just our guests, not just those that maybe have only been coming a short time. I'm asking everybody in this place that would be willing, again, to make a, a fresh commitment or to make a new commitment today. Lord, I'm going to choose that path of life. Would you just, would you just step out of your seat and, and just kind of come stand down at this altar? And, and if you feel comfortable lifting your hands, lift your hands. If you don't really feel comfortable doing that, that's okay. But would you just, in kind of your own words, start to tell Him that? Lord, I, I acknowledge today there are some choices, at least there seem to be some choices before me, even though really, really based on your word, it's really only one choice. I realize there's, you said I can choose blessing or cursing, I can choose life or death, but God, I, I want to make that choice. Come on, would you begin to do that? Church, would you look around if there are some guests that have come, would you... Would you join with them right now? Don't leave them alone. Would you, would you come alongside and pray with them? Help them? Come on. I know there's some of you here today, you've chosen life, but, but you're facing some adversity. You're going through some difficulties. Please, please hear me clearly what I preach today. I didn't preach that if you choose the path of life, that means it's going to all be just a wonderful walk in the park, cotton candy and bubble gum and marshmallows and just all kind of fluffy stuff. There's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some obstacles, some difficulties. There, there's going to be some heartache and pain along that path. But the guarantee is what the outcome of that path is going to be. No matter what may happen from day to day, if you're walking the path of life, it's got to lead to life. If you've chosen the path of blessing, it's got to lead to blessing. It's a guarantee because God cannot lie. I know it may not feel like it some days. It may not look like it some days. But if you'll just trust what His Word promised, there's going to be life. There's going to be blessing. In the name of Jesus, come on, the presence of the Lord is touching some hearts and lives in this place right now. I've said it already. This is not just about religion. This isn't just about religion. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is about a personal relationship following, walking with Jesus. The life giver. The source of life. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still I will follow No turning back No turning back Though none go with me Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. So take this whole world, just give me Jesus. You can take this whole world. Just give me Jesus. Take this whole world. Just give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Oh, you can take this whole world. Just give me Jesus. Take this whole world, just give me Jesus. Take this whole world, just give me Jesus. I won't turn back. Oh, I won't turn back. I have decided. Thank you again for being here today. If you're a guest, we're so glad to have you. There are those that are still praying, but if you need to go, want to go, whenever you're ready, you're, 
you're welcome to do that. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided I'm going to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning Don't forget if you're a parent of a young person, the meeting in the chapel, you'll begin in a few moments to make your way down there.